Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast and the kickoff of the Hall of Fame specials here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hall of Fame 2022. I am Nate Maxson, and I am joined this week or this time around in this segment by two members, two esteemed members of the Hall of Fame panel. My brother Aaron. Hello. And Senor Archie Mitchell. Hola. I don't know why I call you Senor. I've never. I'm happy I, with it. It just, I don't, gives me, it just works. Gives me a chance to say hola. <laughs> well, as you all know, we have our own Hall of Fame here in the We Can't Wrestle podcast family. And let me pull up. Was not prepared. As prepared as I should have been. What a terrible host. All right. So anyway. um, The... Class of 2021, last year, just to go over it briefly, because this is the kickoff, so I don't have to go over it again. inaugural class. Yes. So actually, I guess technically it's the 2020 class, and this is the class of 2021 we're in now. But the 2020 class, of course, we got the big dogs out of the way last year, which was Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, The Undertaker, Bobby Heenan, Andre the Giant, Randy Savage, Vince McMahon Jr., and Steve Austin. Now, because of that, I wanted to ask you a question, you guys a question, because I I did find myself in this situation. Didn't it, doesn't it get, as, as you get those huge names off the shelf, you know, you get them out of the way, didn't it make it a little more difficult this yes. year to, to, to yes. pick, you know, who you were, who you were going to nominate and et cetera? Well, it makes you look at the at the who you picked already and who you've already talked about, and then it makes you look at who's in the WWE Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? You don't want to mm-hmm. be repetitive with them and make it look like you're just copying whatever they're doing, right? And then you have to look at you know, well, okay, we didn't vote in a Savage or an Edge or a HBK yet, so are they worthy? Of course they are, but is there somebody maybe that should have been put up before them? Right. So yeah, it right. does make it. It makes the criteria a lot harder. It's like if you ask somebody who their top five wrestlers are, they're going to name you their top five. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Quickly, 
You know, mm-hmm. you ask somebody in their top 20, you're going to have to be waiting about an hour for them to really get into every Fine tune it, yes. Yeah, yeah. And in case I did skip, because you said Randy Savage's name, in case I did skip him when I ran down last year's, Randy is in. Yeah, no, no, I know. Uh, he, I know. Okay, he did He did get in last. I just didn't know if I said his name since his name popped no. in your head. So, all right. Well, I'm sorry. I was going to say this year, this year it wasn't that hard for me because um, a lot of the guys that I nominated last year, didn't get in, so I was like, "Oh, well, I'll just <laughs> right <it> again." <laughs> well, the I criteria—I think, I think I got an eight out of ten. So, the criteria to consider as the same as last year, although we added tag teams this year, but it right. was ten plus years as a pro. Where I say I say exceptions could be made in a situation like a Magnum TA, who you know, no through no fault of well, I guess it was a fault of his own as he had a car accident. But you know what I mean? Well, yeah, anything. Um. He could get in based on his merit one day. In-ring ability, promo ability, being of significance to the business, whether as a whole or to a certain territory or promotion, um, and drawing power. And for tag teams, they need to have been consist- a consistent team for at least one calendar year. Right. Um, then to consider also is last year's ballot, People stay on the ballot for five years. If they do not get in within that five-year period, they have to go back into the nomination category. So say uh, say like right now Paul Heyman's on the ballot from last year. He didn't get in this year. If Paul goes five years without getting into the, the Hall of Fame, he can still be nominated to get back on the ballot, but you have to get back through that process again. All right. Which I heard so, very upset about. Huh? I heard he's very upset about this. <laughs> I volley, sir. Um, already on the ballot for this year from last year. So these are the people that have, have they're now officially in two years on the ballot. Were Stu Hart, Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler, Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Piper, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Bruno Sammartino, Paul Heyman, Sting, Ricky Dozon, and Gene Okerlund. And then after that... The other eight that got in were Mick Foley to the ballot, Arn Anderson, Luthez, Harley Race, Jim Cornette, The Rock, Fred Blassie, and Bob Backlund. All right. Pretty solid list there. So that was your ballot. Stu, <coughs> Art, Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler, Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Piper, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Bruno Sammartino, Sting, Ricky Dozon, Gene Okerlund, Mick Foley, Arn Anderson, Luthez, <laughs> Harley Race, Jim Cornette, The Rock, Fred Blassie, and Bob Backlund. The winners are... We'll go through them one by one, actually. But I do want to thank all the panelists, including Aaron and Archie. Um, also, Danny Torres, Ian Totten. Dave Dynasty, uh, D.B. Richards from the 2300 podcast, uh, John Majewski, Mr. Magic, Chris Wood, David Gold, and, of course, Chad Austin. Uh, I want to thank everybody that voted this year. Thank you, guys. And all of them will be on the show at some point to talk about this year's results. So let's go here and talk about... When it's done, when Chad's is done, I'll be like, what do we just do? <laughs> Was that reliving the Hall of Fame? Where, where's yeah. Archie Mitchell? <laughs> I'll be there. I'll make sure I'm there when Chad's on. 
All right, so here we go, folks. The final 2021 class of the Hall of Fame. Two of them are two that last year I said I was going to keep voting for them because I wanted to get them in. And one of them I call these I call I call these guys kind of the headliners this year. And one of them, to me, the big dog, the one that deserved to be in the most from everybody we had to vote for this year, my humble opinion. What about it, guys? Mr. Terry Funk. Yes. Definitely. Um, it was shocking he didn't get in last year. And um, all three all three of us voted for Terry. Yes. So, and uh, I think we're being joined by another. Chris Wood. Hello. Hello. We're uh, we're being we're being Chris Wood doing a run in here. I already went through all the stuff. <laughs> Chris Wood doing here. He's part of the panel. Could he ever be? What's <laughs> what what's Chris Wood doing in the impact zone? <laughs> I found this door. It had a forbidden tag on it. I figured what yes. the hell. Oh yeah, like, everybody everybody else is going through. He walked in and went, This shit's still operational? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, I just went through the uh the Hall of Fame, all the criteria, all that stuff. And then uh, we are starting to talk about the first inductee into this year's 2021 We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame class, Mr. Terry Funk. And I think we were just about to talk about how great Terry Funk is. Yes. Was, is, is. Hey, he's not dead yet. Don't say was. Well, I guess, I mean, you know, he's not active anymore. But yeah. Surprisingly. That, but, old, that old bastard is not allowed to die until I meet him face to face. Okay. <laughs> I will meet Terry Funk one day. Terry Funk would be that guy that'd be like Lou says, and one more match at like 83 years old or some right. shit, you know? Well, I mean, right. doesn't he already have the record for most retirements? Uh, yeah, I think he does. Yeah, I, think so. I think he does. <laughs> think so. but, but, like, in 97, he's like, I didn't say I was retiring. I just said I was retiring from wrestling in Texas. <laughs> He's got, he's got a caveat. Yes, yeah. we got to throw that in there. But I will no oh. longer wrestle on a Thursday night in Japan. <laughs> no more Thursdays for Terry Funk. But uh, on the serious note, with Terry Funk, um, he's like he's like an Owen Hart, where you never hear anybody say anything bad about him. Right. You know what I mean? And then it's also the fact that he's not a Hulk Hogan. And what I mean by saying that is I'm not dissing Hulk Hogan, but he's not the guy in the locker room going, I got to protect my spot. I got to make sure I'm right. top dog. He's the guy in the locker room being like, I'll job to that guy. I'm Terry Funk. Like, what's it going to hurt me to lose to fucking uh, Louis Spicoli or something like that? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh, I can get something out. It's like Paul Heyman said, oh, I can get something out of him. I can make something out of him. You know what I mean? He what he he he's like the one of the least selfish people you've ever heard of in the wrestling business. And also, what a layered career! You know, you you yeah. you look at you look at Terry Funk from the '60s and the evolution of him. There's there's like a '60s '70s Terry Funk, and then there's an right. '80s Terry Funk, and then there's a '90s Terry Funk. And you know, you talk about one of the criteria was being of 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 significance to a territory or promotion. Not only was he of significance to Amarillo. Not only was he of significance to the NWA, but ECW was built on his back. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have been an ECW yeah. without Terry Funk. You know, you know to, to kind of go along with what Nate's saying there, 
I got exposed to Terry Funk in WCW when he was battling Flair with Muda and Gary Hart and Sting. I didn't see the early part of Terry Funk right away, but I was still glued to the TV because he was this wild, crazy guy. Mm-hmm. When it, when he went to ECW, I'm like, hey, I know that guy. That's, that's Terry Funk. And I started watching him there. Then I branched out to look at his Jap- Japanese stuff. And not just the stuff with Foley in the deathmatch, but him and Dory. And the, that you never imagined Terry Funk doing a moonsault when you watched him in like 89 and 90 in WCW. Right. But then you saw him do it and you were like, Jesus Christ. You never imagined him doing, you know, anything other than the pile driver and the spinning toehold, but he did it. And to his credit, he did it well. He wasn't just doing it. And that, you know? that, that 89, 90 run that Terry had was possibly the best stuff of, I don't want to say best stuff of WCW, but it was great shit during that right. time. And then it all went to hell. But, um, he at that time like been wrestling since the 70s i think he might even started in the late 60s um and at that point like he was in the actually in the best shape of his career right mm-hmm. he had he just got, yeah you know what i mean it's like what terry funk's got abs man. i think that was just after he got to doing roadhouse because he was really built well that you know i also mean? i also think honestly like when i look at it it's like he knew okay i mean he's older than rick flair you know what i mean so mm-hmm. he's, they're like, hey, we're going to bring you back and you're going to be wrestling Ric Flair. And he was probably like, I can't. You know what I mean? He's like, I got to get my cardio. I got to get right. in shape. Because he didn't want to go out there and have fucking half-ass matches mm-hmm. like that. And he probably was like, I got to be able to keep up with Ric Flair. So I'm going to get in the best fucking shape I can get in. And, he's and if there were mean and fucking 89, man. If there were two people who complimented Terry Funk in the ring, in my opinion. It was Ric Flair and McFoley. It was like they danced when they were in the ring. It wasn't a fight. It wasn't a wrestling match. They were actually just going through the motions and having a great match. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, your thoughts on Mr. Funk? I mean, he's pretty much one of those guys that's been there forever, has never hesitated helping while in the same vein upholding the business. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. He could have easily been one of those guys of piss off. This is a sacred business. I'm not helping anybody, but he's never been like that. Right. Yes. And he, uh, I don't know, just to me, um, one of the greats, one of my top five of all time. And as you as you watch him, that's just it's real quick. I'll touch on in the ring, and then we'll get to the next person. But in the ring, and and we we've discussed this a lot um, going through on reliving the extreme. Some of the things Terry Funk did in the ring were unique; nobody else did them, and so absolutely realistic. Right. You know, um, it, you know the 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 it, there, there's matches where he gets himself the you know gets himself tied up in the ropes. Or caught in the caught in the ring apron, or just those little things that he does, or the way he sells punches. Um, Jerry Lawler has one of the best punches in, in wrestling, if not the best punch ever. Terry Funk sells punches the best. Agreed. Agreed. 
the next inductee into the 2021 class of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Hall of Fame is another one of my favorites. More on the mic than in the ring. Um, and you can say what you want about him being a booker. But the man is Dusty Rhodes. Um, and I will say this. Dusty Rhodes, I would say, was more of a worthy rival to Vince Jr. than Eric Bischoff was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when, when Vince, when Vince was first, you know, hitting the rock and wrestling era era and all that and putting all the territories out of business, everybody's going out of business. Everybody's getting bought up by Vince McMahon. There's a reason. I mean, yes, Ric Flair and et cetera, et cetera, but also the mind of Dusty Rhodes is what helped Crockett become that last promotion fighting Vince McMahon, if that makes sense, guys. Right. Yeah, and and sorry, somebody was going to say something, but it's also the the great mind, but it also was detrimental. Like, let's just say what it is. I mean, he he overshot his wad, you know what I mean? Like, with with big things, like Dusty wanted to become a big thing without the, I don't want to say it. He, you know, like when people be like, Oh man, that guy lives outside his means. Like he spends more money than he makes. The dusty was trying to book outside his means. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go to these big, huge fucking um, stadiums. It's like, no, you're not, you're not going to sell that out. You know what I mean? Right. But, but I don't, we're not here to talk about the negatives of people. We're here to talk about the positives of people. Because I believe Dust was Dusty on my list. Uh, yes, you voted. The only one of us four that did not vote for Dusty this year was me. Uh-huh. Right. So that proves that you're not smart. <laughs> kidding. I, kidding. I, I, just <laughs> like, like I was like we were talking about at the beginning of the show. You have this ballot, and you're starting like you get you start voting, and it's like nut cutting time, and you, there's decisions to be made. And right, I'm done you know? because I was trying to think of a better word. I was gonna be like omnipotent. I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> I can pronounce it right, so I'll just go. You ain't smart. But anyway, um, what you said is somewhat true. Like when you said more on the mic than in the ring, but I think sometimes Dusty gets. Um, I think his in work, his in ring work, doesn't get the justification that it get, should get either. Oh yeah, a guy that size like, going an hour Broadway with Ric Flair. Yeah, I mean, right. like we were talking about this fat motherfucker. Like this guy should not be able to go an hour with Ric Flair, but he mm-hmm. did. I'm sure he probably went hours with people that we didn't even see. You know what I mean? Like him and Terry Funk probably wrestled an hour Broadway a lot. Yeah, it's just so. I mean, he was the NWA champion. That was kind of the guy's fucking job. You know what I mean? Right. right. Well, well I, so, go ahead. I was just going to say, my he is my favorite promo ever. I could sit and watch Dusty promos all day long. I reserved a stratosphere for me and you. Yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> let's not let's not overlook the fact that he had a very successful tag team with Dick Murdoch. Right. Before even becoming a babyface. And then when he turned babyface, his babyface turn, if you listen to people that, and a, you know, a Florida historian Barry Rose, I talked to him about this. He said Dusty's babyface turn against Pac Song in Florida is one of the best babyface turns he's ever seen in his life. He, you know, he got to see it in person when it happened. And I mean, by the time all of us, let's be honest, at our age, by the time all of us saw Dusty Rhodes, 
It was like the mid eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And he had just, he was just dusty roads, but to, to have it, I, I would love to have experienced that heel dusty roads, you know, just right. to see what that was like. And, but, um, um, something else I talk, I talk about sometimes with people is that if Vince McMahon would have owned the WWF, when Dusty Rhodes went in there, I think Dusty would have had a different type of career. I because if you watch the man and how he's putting Dusty over and shit, if Vince would have owned that company, he would have wanted to keep him. He wouldn't have wanted to just coming in every once in a while and working with this guy and then leaving again. I think mm-hmm. he would. I think he would have put the belt on him. I really do. I think if it was up to Vince during that time, I think Dusty would have beat Superstar Billy Graham and been WWF champion. Archie, your thoughts on the American Dream? Absolutely one of my favorites, uh, whether it be in the ring or his promos. His promos will live on forever because there's not a person in the world who doesn't do a Dusty Rhodes impression and quote hard times or, you know, funky like a monkey, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at the the lasting impression that he left with everything he did in WWE developmental and NXT. Helping guys like Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, even Dean Ambrose, you know what I mean? His kids, Cody, and the women, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, they all have a dusty story that he came to them when they were at their lowest and said, just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Stop yeah. trying to be a character if you can't be a character and be yourself. That's what I was going to say, too, is when you talk about lasting impression on the business, because mm-hmm. you said that was one of the criteria, right? The most, yes. like, mm-hmm. said it more articulate than I did, but okay. Um, who was it? Who was his main protege? Yeah, a few Magnum TA. Magnum okay. TA, yeah. He gets Magnum TA, and I know what happened with him or whatever, but I'm stating this for a reason. Dusty Rhodes fingerprints can be found all the way from Magnum T Magnum TA all the way to like, like. Art said Seth Rollins. You know what right. I mean? Like from like 83 up until he passed away, which I can't. Uh, 2015, I believe. So for, and probably even before 83, but I'm just saying 83 to like 2015, that dude's fingerprints are all over like the younger talent. Right. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it in a perverted way. I'm saying like he's mold, like molded so many people and taught so many people. So for that alone, he should be in. Chris? Yeah, I agree with what's been said, too. I mean, I listen to uh, Arn's broad podcast a lot, too, and how he talks about when Dusty brought him into his office and his whole interview of being employed was Dusty sitting down, looking at him, kicking back, throwing his feet up on his desk, and was just like, now go get over. And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) And Arn was like, oh. Oh, okay. So it's that simple. It's that simple, huh? <laughs> I, I, I Dusty Rhodes stories. Like I said, I, I think I've told this story before, but it's my favorite fucking Dusty Rhodes story. <coughs> Even Regal, okay, signs with WCW, and Bill Watts signed him, and um, he said that he told Bill he couldn't start right away because he needed to finish up with whatever British promotion he was working for, and he thought Bill was going to be mad, and Bill said. Hey man, 
that's great. I'm going to give you extra money for that. Like he bumped up his money because he was like, you're doing what's right in the business. Staying loyal. So you're staying loyal. So I respect that. Here's like an extra 500 bucks out of your salary or whatever. Well then, um, Bill Watts left and Regal was worried. Like he thought his shit was going to go away, you know, but, um, <clears throat> Dusty took over. So he walks into the fucking center stage brand new to America in the in the States, and there's Dusty Rhodes. He said, completely naked, except for his cowboy hat and yep. his boots. Sitting yep. on a bench with Doug Dillinger, and he looks at William Regal. Am I going to do my Dusty impersonation? But he look, like Regal walks in, Dusty looks at Doug Dillinger, and he goes, hey, Regal, look at me. I got my own bodyguard, just like Whitney Houston. <laughs> and then looks at him. <laughs> and, then, and then looks at him and goes, "You got five minutes tonight. Go out there and give me some of that good ass British shit." <laughs> it's like, how do you do British wrestling in five oh, minutes <laughs> with entrance? Like, it's <laughs> my favorite oh. fucking Dusty Road story. I got my own bodyguards. It's like <laughs> the next person inducted this year into the Hall of Fame. Um. <clears throat> was on the ballot last year <clears throat> and actually missed it by a slim margin. I actually, even though, and I, I say, I'm not going to go into it like blah, 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 too much. But last year, even though Randy Savage is my favorite wrestler of all time, with the criteria we were that I put forth on the Hall of Fame voting, I voted last year for this guy and didn't vote for Randy Savage. But he got in this year. And it's Bruno San Martino. And the two of us that voted for Bruno are myself and Aaron. And the biggest thing to me, the criteria that I very much fo- focus in on with Bruno, because obviously by the time I'm watching wrestling, Bruno's in a pale jacket commentating with Vince McMahon on TV. Um, and, and, I, you. I, and, and I'll tell you, I'll as tell time you. has gone on, obviously I've gone back and watched it. And to be perfectly honest, when I, I don't, when I watch Bruno San Martino, I don't get it. Like I get it, but I don't get it because I didn't live through that. I wasn't See, in New York and the East coast in the 1960s and 70s. I'm happy, but the, I'm the, happy oh. that you're saying it because that's why I didn't vote for him because I never got into it. But here's why I voted for him, Archie, because of the criteria. And one of the criteria is significance to a territory or promotion. And I agree. And I agree. And is anybody more significant to the early days of that company, obviously, than Bruno San Martino? No. You, you make a good point. Yes, I, I agree. But I'm stubborn. I don't listen to rules. <laughs> so I just. <laughs> Having, I, I don't have a, a passion for Bruno San Martino. Do I think he was a great wrestler? Do I think he was one of the best world heavyweight champions ever? Yes. But it's just like when I hear Savage, Flair, Dusty, even Hogan, you know, I'm not a big Hogan fan, I get pumped. I want to watch. I want to see. I want to, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. When I hear Bruno, I'm like, okay, put it on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, um, it's just, what? This is going to sound silly, but when you talk about professional wrestling, um, professional, like the best professional wrestlers aren't always the best wrestlers, if that makes sense. That's true. 
like wrestling is it is a sport and i hate people that say it isn't it is a sport it's an athletic it's an athletic thing um i don't want to say competition because in the ring it's actually not a competition but um it's not all about what you do physically in the ring it's about controlling the crowd and making people give a shit you know what i mean like jake roberts jake roberts isn't that great of a fucking wrestler like, tell me the most flashiest thing you've ever seen Jake Roberts do, but that motherfucker could work a room. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, he does a great look at leapfrog. Hey. And, and Bruno was the same way. Bruno could work a fucking room. Mm-hmm. The audience that he was in front of, and he also did what every fucking person in the wrestling business should do. Don't try to do shit you can't do and do what you do better than anybody else. And that's yeah. what he fucking did. And I, I want to say one more thing, and then I want to get Chris's thoughts on Bruno. But while Aaron's talk, I, I just I just happen to think about. All right, I well, I, I'll go back a lot of times and watch old shit, especially stuff that was before I was even watching wrestling, or watch territory stuff that I didn't see when I was a kid, or whatever. One of the things that I notice that's different about Bruno than say Austin, Hogan, um. Any of those guys, Rock, okay. The wig. That, the, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, they, you watch those, especially the MSG shows, okay? When, when Austin came out and the glass hit, there was the big pop. When Hogan came down the aisle, the people are screaming. When Bruno comes out, there is this low rumble from that crowd that builds into this excitement as he comes to the ring and builds into the more excitement as the match goes on. It was just a different, those people had a different connection to Bruno, and, you know? And, and what I'll say on that too, and then we'll let whoever talk. It's like that with a lot of old wrestling, because there wasn't like the, the, the big loud music and this, mm-hmm. that and the other thing, you know, it was like, now it's, our time for our main event and people are like cool bruno's coming out and they're like rumbling about oh bruno bruno and and it, it was almost cooler because it got louder as you came out as those guys would come out because they get like as you see him then you're like yeah it's real now bruno's here you know what yeah. i mean it wasn't just like oh on a big screen here you go lights everything like that it's right like, once you see the guy then you're like fucking hey you know it's just if that makes sense but, chris any final thoughts on bruno san martino not really, because I have to agree with the consensus. Like, I wasn't really <laughs> watching it when he was a popular thing. So I was, I mean, I, I appreciate and understand his significance. It's just I can't really speak on it, if that makes sense. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, my, my only My only denigration to Bruno is... That I think is, how do I say this? As like a wrestler, if you're in the business, and it should be like this in any in any business that you're in, after you leave it, if you don't 100% agree with everything that's going on, just kind of keep it to yourself. Right, right, exactly. Because all you're doing is all you're doing is is hurting the guys that are trying to do it now. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's people, there's people that I love in wrestling that do like, like I'm a huge Bret Hart fan, but every once in a while, he hasn't been so much now, but they're like there for a while. I wanted Bret to shut the fuck up. Like I understand, but 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 just shut up. 
Like, stop <laughs> demonstrating what these guys are trying to do. You're not in it anymore. You're retired. Mm-hmm. See, you say that, and the name I think of immediately is Graham. Oh, right. Oh, definitely. Billy Graham. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, don't get him started on Billy Graham. <laughs> seven-hour show if you get me started on Billy Graham. Chris, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago because I had finally admitted to them wrestlers that I don't like and I, I don't have a any kind of feeling towards. And Billy Graham, I mentioned Billy Graham and Larry Zabisco, and my reason for not liking them is because they always trashed the business somehow. The nowadays business, it's always they're mad about something, they're upset it wasn't done this way in my day. Well, it's 30 years later. Not everything's going to be the same. Right. You know. The next guy um, for me was also one of the guy, one of the three guys last year, including Terry Funk and another one that I said, I'm going to keep on voting for this guy because he really deserves to be in and I want him in. And this is the, one of the guys I'm pulling for. <clears throat> Jerry the King Lawler. I think Jerry Lawler is one of those people that absolutely fits every single criteria that we have here. He for checks the all the boxes. Frame. Yes, he does. Um, not only, and let's see here, myself, Aaron, we are the two on this part of the panel that voted for Lawler. Um, okay, first of all, significance to a territory. <laughs> He's right up there with he Bruno. Is the, uh, he is the fucking he is, Yes, he is, he is the territory. territory. Exactly. Memphis, Memphis wrestling, you know. And I'm not saying that, that before him, uh, Fargo wasn't important or whatever, but let's be honest, Jerry Lawler, Memphis wrestling, it's synonymous. He's even, um, more, he's even more important to his te- territory than Bruno was. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Lawler's presence was integral in, te- in, in Memphis wrestling. Um, and then, of course, you know, in the ring, you can say Lawler wasn't flashy in the ring, but really, honest to God, much like Terry Funk, like I said about earlier, his matches, he's the most, be- he's one of the most believable wrestlers. He I think never did, he never did. He was pretty flashy, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. He, you know, as far, as far as, but you know what I'm saying, though, like as far as his, his, his matches go and his, his psychology, Lawler never tried to wrestle outside of his wheelhouse. It's kind of what you I was saying about Bruno. Don't do you were, shit you're not good at. Yeah, you were never gonna get you're never gonna get Lawler trying to be, you know, trying to fly or anything like that. Lawler Lawler wrestled like he looked. <laughs> you know, he's got a little pot belly. Right. <laughs> you know, he's got he's got some man boobies, but he's punching and he's scrapping and he's, you know, all of that. And then just his connection with that crowd and um I'm just really happy that he's in the Hall of Fame now. I'll say this about Jerry the King Lawler. When he was involved in a storyline, he made it entertaining no matter what the storyline was. Whether it was Andy Kaufman, whether it was uh, Paul Heyman in ECW, or whether it was him against the right to censor for that little bit. You know what I mean? When he was trying to save Stacey the Cat Carter. He always yeah, that made it out well. Yeah, right. Uh, but he always put it all he should into, have been labor. He always put it all into the storyline, no matter how crappy it might have been or how good it was or whatever. You know, he heel face Lawler was entertaining. Um, I could talk about Lawler forever, but um, one thing I'll say is he did everything 
like there's nothing in the professional wrestling business that that guy didn't do. He was a wrestler. He was a commentator. He was a promoter. He did everything. And um, he did. He, he would. He had balls on him too, man. That dude would do anything. Fucking, oh, yeah. he didn't give a shit. Like Andy Kaufman wanted to go to WWF, and they were like, "No, nah, we don't want you." He tried to go to the NWA, and they were like, "Oh, that'll never work." <laughs> Then he goes to Lawler, and Lawler's like, fuck yeah, you're on tax. Yeah. Let's do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and um, we did a show a long, long time ago in a forgotten era of the We Can't Wrestle podcast like about um, like top ten segments or something you would show a non-wrestling fan. And mm-hmm. the Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman on Letterman is was on my list. Like if yes, if, it was. Gonna, if if there's a non wrestling fan, I'm gonna show him that. Like, look at this. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, every, like, it's just you can't deny Jerry Lawler's career. No, you can't. You can't. The man almost died for the wrestling business. Literally, had a heart attack at ringside because of how much he gave to this business. And he's still doing it. Yep. Anything else on the King, anybody? And he held, like, the USWA title, like, 700 times, so. <laughs> right. He's the only man that can give uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett a run for most times holding your own company's title. <laughs> My world. All right. And the King is in. That makes me happy. The next one, another King. Um, the next inductee this year. Seven-time NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. You talk about a realistic fucking wrestler. Oh, yeah. Toughest man to ever walk. God's green. Harley Race. Um, Let's see. In this this segment of the panel, Aaron and I voted for Harley this year. Um, Here's the funny thing about Harley. Harley, you know, we, we, we have talked about... A few times with a couple of these guys, like Bruno, I didn't see you know enough of him to, or I wasn't alive when he was at his heyday or whatever. With Harley, he's one that I've gone back and made a super stupid effort to watch as Same. much as I possibly can. Same, because he was so good, even when he was older, that it intrigued me, you know, and right. he was. I mean, fantastic, fantastic on the mic, fantastic in the ring. Um, the big word there, believable. And you talk about significance. He was a seven-time NWA champion. Why? Because him as a heel with baby faces in those territories as he went around the country was putting asses in seats. And and also, we like we talked about with Terry Funk and Dusty Rhodes, contributing to the future, too. You know, how many guys did, you know, how many guys sat under that Harley race learning tree? Oh, yeah. And, you know, his stories and his advice. And, he, you know, he said they always said he'd have those barbecues, you know, and, you know, that they were swapping stories and he was giving advice and stuff to the guys at his house, you know, and just I don't know. I Harley Harley raced one of the greats of all time. And, and um, I know you're talking about age, but like. He, he had been in the business so long because I think he started when he was like 16 or 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, he was old, but he wasn't old. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like right. body wise, physical wise, he was old because he was a fucking bump machine and like was doing bumps and shit that were that nobody else like nobody else was doing like a flying head butt and all that shit, you know? Like he mm-hmm. was only like seventy six when he died. Like if if you think of like you think about it, it's like Terry or he was only seventy six. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, I thought he was like eighty five. <laughs> so um for one, he's a guy that wasn't so like it like wasn't selfish. He knew, okay, this is the guy they're going with. I'm gonna get him over. He was loyal. He cut a hell of a promo. He he did like a J, he did like Jake Roberts. I'm not gonna yell, you know. I mean, he did it like take the goddamn money, you know. But he would only yell when it was like when he it was it was called it, for, right? Yeah, and and um. To this day, he has Hulk Hogan. He has my favorite Hulk Hogan match. That fucking match they had on on Saturday Night's Main Event. That's my favorite Hulk Hogan match of all time. I was actually gonna underrated. I, I was actually gonna bring up um, a, a, a common a common theme between Harley and Terry Funk. Not not only great NWA champions, not only great wrestlers, etc., but just a little like a little snippet thing. They were also smart, and here's why I say that. There were so many people that were hardcore, like, territory guys that were like, fuck Vince McMahon when he was doing his national expansion. Terry Funk and Harley Race, as businessmen, as 1099s, as Kevin Nash would say, looked at what Vince and Hogan were doing and were like, even if it's for a year, I need to go there and have a run with Hogan. I need that fucking money. Yeah, you right. know they were like, <laughs> you know what, you know what I'm saying? Like they saw where the they saw where the cash was, and yeah, and, and both and, went to what they wanted to have a run with Hogan. And in his Hall of Fame, like his his the the Bush League Hall of Fame, the WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame, um, like people would always be like, oh man, they took Harley there and they made him the king, and it was stupid and everything like that. And he's like, I came to the WWF and they made me the king. They were like, you're the mm-hmm. king. You're the ultimate. You're not the world champion. You're the king. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just he had a had a great career, and anybody will tell you, toughest dude on the fucking planet. Archie, Chris, any last thoughts on Harley Race? He's probably he's, like, go ahead. Sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say he's probably the only guy that Haku would have backed down from. Been like, nope. <laughs> I, ain't going with, I ain't going with race. I ain't doing that shit. The thing I loved about Harley was uh, you mentioned Nate. If you didn't watch him in an earlier time, he made you want to go back and look at his stuff because, you know, again, I started watching and he was, yes, King Harley race, but I most remember him from managing Lex Luger and Vader mm-hmm. and, you know, having Mr. Hughes by his side too as a an extra heavy, you know. So then when I went back and I looked and I, I saw his earlier work, like this guy didn't need anybody by his side. Nope. He, he could have done it by himself. He could have been there with Vader and just took out whoever he wanted to. You know what I mean? But he, he chose was, to. He was bumping know. in those matches with Vader, man. Yeah. Like, he yeah. like he'd take some so. shit from Sting and fucking flop or anything like that. That was the best pair <laughs> ever in wrestling. The big afro and the fucking pork chops and shit. Fucking pimp. <laughs> Somebody take the damn money. 
I'm glad you're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast this week, everybody. And I just want to announce that I am going to be doing a contest to give away free stuff. If you're listening to the show, like I advised you to do, all you have to do right now is send me an email. Here's the details. I have an extensive, extensive wrestling card collection. And I'm going to do a tournament, much like Aaron does with like the NWA champion, the Intercontinental champion, or what have you. But what I'm going to do is a tournament of 16. The first 16 of you listeners that send me an email at wecantwrestle at gmail.com. All I need is your name and uh, whether or not you are in our Facebook group. If you're not, join it. Um, And I'm going to pick 16 of what I think are some cool trading cards. And we're going to have a trading card tournament. And uh, I will be randomly assigning said trading cards to those of you that are participating. But the first 16 of you that send me an email, again, wecantwrestle at gmail.com, will get entered into the contest. So, thank you for listening. And now you have the opportunity to win free stuff from the We Can't Wrestle podcast. The next inductee was one of those ones that I was talking about where decisions have to be made when you're looking at the list of nominees, you're looking at the ballot. Because, And I'm actually going to have um, Archie and Chris start the conversation about this guy because they are the two on this side of the panel or this part of the panel that voted for this gentleman. Okay. Um, Plus Aaron Aaron, Aaron and I tend to monopolize conversations, so I'm going to let you guys have the have the floor at the beginning here. But what I will say is this, you know, everybody knows how much I love this man. He is literally my favorite manager of all time. You can't, I mean, other than Bobby Heenan, that's always the caveat, but anyway, it's Jim Cornette. Oh God. Chris, you want to start or me? Go ahead. What can't you say about Jim Cornette? Um, He's an avid AEW fan. You can't say that. <laughs> you can't say that. But he's a WWE fan either, so I don't know. It's, he doesn't like wrestling that much these days. But um, no, Jim Cornette as a manager was fantastic. Early days with the Midnight Express and constantly being on the mic going, my mama's going to call those lawyers. To, you're going to be in trouble tomorrow. You know, always thinking there was a conspiracy against him from Jim Crockett Promotions, hearing shoot interviews about how him and Stan were walking out of WCW, and Bobby Eaton's like, I, I want to go too. And Jim's like, but you have a family, and you have a, a, a guaranteed contract. We could leave, but but I don't want to be alone in WCW. I want to go with you guys. It, it, you know, it really, it, Jim was taking care of Bobby, but he was kind of leaving him out there in the lurch too. Um, and then as a commentator or a, an on-air persona, whether he was a commissioner in TNA or, you know, MLW or ROH or anywhere, he has had an impact on pretty much every wrestling company that we've known. Mm. And it's always been a positive one, in my opinion. I know there are people who say, well, he smacked that young wrestler who was getting out of line or he fought with Santino Morella. We don't know that to be true. We just know their side of the story. No, Jim says he did it. He doesn't give a fuck. Do you guys know why he smacked him? Do you know why he smacked him? I know Nate said I monopolized shit, but do you know why he smacked him? I I still don't know. I haven't heard him. 
he smacked Santino because he hit on the boogeyman gimmick. What, yeah. what he, he he put like a bunch of the unknown wrestlers uh, in a section because the boogeyman was going to be there. And in, in in OVW, like boogeyman were like antlers. Yeah. And like all this crazy, like his gimmick was crazier in OVW, and he was supposed to run. He he ran at that section of the crowd, and everybody was supposed to run away. Okay, well Santino just sat there. Santino he, Donald Trump to the boogeyman, right? Like he was okay. the only guy that didn't run away. And then after it, all of them were in the back, and Cornette was like, "Why didn't you run away from him?" Well, nobody told me to. <laughs> and he's like, he's like six foot five and oh, right. antlers and worms hanging out of his mouth. Am I supposed to have to tell you to run away? And then he smacked him and he goes, Do I have to tell you to sell that? Smack, smack, smack. Do I have to tell you to sell that again? <laughs> and then John Laronitis calls him and says, You can't be smacking people around. We're a publicly traded company. And he's like, I'm down here in OVW. We're barely a privately traded company. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, why Sorry. did you vote for Jim Cornette? Um, I, I think it's a respect thing with me because, like, a lot of people don't like him anymore and how he's just, like, the old man with the clouds. But <laughs> he's always been 100% committed to whatever his belief was, and he didn't give a shit. He wasn't going to falter, and he still doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's something you have to respect. Absolutely. I will say this, all right, um, before I say why I didn't vote for Jim this year. Again, as everybody that listens to the show knows, I am I am a card-carrying member of the Cult of Cornette. I love Jim Cornette. He is, he is uh, again, I always say Bobby is an heir to himself. But other than that, Jim Cornette's my favorite manager of all time. So quick on the stick, um, willing to do anything for the wrestling business. And like, And again, like Chris said, brave enough to say fuck that that's not the wrestling business i'm out of here and And can i point out one thing that makes me laugh too as anti-current product that he is that he actually is a big supporter and absolutely loves dan Housen, which i find freaking hilarious (laughs) (laughs) what he does what he he does say though is i never want to watch this guy wrestle Because he, he doesn't want he, he looks at more of like a Sven Gulli kind of thing, but yeah, which is, which is odd because Dan Housen is actually a very technically sound wrestler. I love when he's like, I like this guy, so I'm not going to look at any of his shit because I'm right. gonna I can't like him anymore. Um, yeah, like, like with did the, you see, did you hear their cameos back and forth to each other? Yes, yes. Dan Housen was <laughs> why. Why do I talk like this? Because the people listen. And when the people listen, you get the power. When you get the power, you get the money. So I'm like, Jesus Christ, you smart face. What's going on here? So I had a decision to make, and I'm going to say it <sighs> quick. Because I just said all the things. You know, I, I love Jim Cornette. But what, like I said, when you're looking at the ballot and you've got a decision to make, I just could not myself, manager-wise, justify putting Cornette in before Fred Blassie. That's my reason, too. It had nothing against Cornette. It had no. I'm. I was in no way a shape or form thinking in my brain he's not a Hall of Famer. He doesn't deserve it. But I had to vote for Freddie first, if that makes sense. Understandable. 
and Understandable. That, that's my reason. And and um, Freddie is my A one A B with um, or you know what I mean with he, Bobby. He yeah, yeah, with Bobby. And Nate knows that about me. I'm a fucking Freddie Blassie Mark. I'll fucking die on that goddamn hill any day of my life. But I I, I totally agree that Jim Cornette should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm glad he's in it. Um, he's fucking super entertaining. And um, it, it's one of those, like, him and the Midnight Express, this might sound, I don't know if this sounds stupid or not, but him and the Midnight Express are kind of like, Paul Bearer and The Undertaker. You know what I mean? Can't imagine one without the other. Can't imagine one without the other. And it probably wouldn't have been as successful if they weren't together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like Cornette, I don't know if Cornette would have been as successful as he was if he wouldn't have been with the Midnight Express. And obviously, the Midnight Express wouldn't have been successful as they were without Jim Cornette. The next person, we have two more inductees left, and then we'll do some little miscellaneous things about other people on the ballot and who we nominated that didn't get on the ballot. But anyway, next guy on the list, next guy that got in this year is, and uh, Archie and I are the two that voted for this guy, Brett the Hitman Hart. Yes. Um, with Brett, my vote was more on the side of in-ring talent and um, just an integral part of the business. And I think that Brett, Brett is like, um, he's one of those guys where you think about, okay, like who, who did I mention this about on the, on the thing earlier with Dusty being a part of Jim Crockett promotions. Okay. Right. And helping to keep it afloat when Vince was eating all the territories up and everything. Brett was part of the reason that kept Vince McMahon in business. Why WWF didn't die when his when his company was sinking? You know, right. if you wouldn't have had if you wouldn't have had that pillar of a Bret Hart and of course Shawn Michaels, um, Brett, who I did who Shawn I did not vote Taker. for this year. Brett, Shawn, and Taker were the life preserver for Vince while he was sinking. And then mm-hmm. they got that bump in the arm, and it all went better. And Vince kind of stopped believing that Brett was even there for him anymore. And not ne- and all absolutely, and also not necessarily the wrestling business because WCW doesn't count in what I'm about to say. So I'm just saying for the WWF as a company, Bret Hart also helped change the perception of yes. what that company looks like. Right. As far as the the you know the bit no more not the big muscle heads you got you got more more right. great in ring action et cetera et cetera right. Right. so for those reasons amongst others plus his amazing ninety seven run that I talk about oh, yeah. all the time oh, yeah. uh, I, I definitely voted for for Brett Archie? I I I being a Shawn Michaels Mark always considered you know I didn't look at Brett as a whole I felt that he hated on Shawn and it was wrong but then. These last couple of years, I've gone back and I look at Brett's entire body of work. Coming up as a tag team wrestler and then going into a singles and then becoming the main event. He is the personification of what a wrestler should be aiming to be when they start in wrestling. Starting out at the bottom and making your way to the top. Mm-hmm. Not only that, like you said, Nate, he held the WWE afloat with a few others. While guys were jumping ship like Nash and Hall and X-Pac, 
He wasn't he wasn't thinking he might have told Vince, hey, there's an offer on the table. But Vince said, well, don't worry, we'll work it out. And he believed Vince at that point and was like, OK, mm-hmm. let's work it out. And they did. I think that when Austin and The Rock started to grow and Sean started to get somewhat of the fan appeal and whatever you want to call it, and Sid was there and Mankind, Vince stopped believing in Brett as much because he's like, well, we got all these other guys. It's not a big deal if he leaves because, look, Hogan left and we stayed alive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I like Brett. I think he deserves to be in any Hall of Fame. I think he deserves, as, his, as you mentioned, his wrestling ability and his promo work then in the day, in the 90s, in the WWF, he deserves to be talked about in a positive light. I mean, this man walked out and told the wrestling audience, I don't care if the United States fans booming, Canada, South Africa, the UK, Japan still cheer me. And guess what? When they went to those other countries, Brett was getting pops bigger than anybody. Yes. You know, so he told the United States fans to boo him, and they did. <laughs> it worked. You know, he got over the. That was loud, sorry. And Aaron is dropping things. No, I shut the yeah, door. I know, I know. I know. Um, with Brett. I just love the periodic tours of the house that we're getting during the show. Yeah, it's a nice house, man. Spacious <laughs> and shit. But um Brett Brett was a hell of a wrestler. Nobody can ever tell me that he wasn't. Um the other thing, and I talk about this a lot in life, like to me as a person, I'm very big on um being loyal, okay? Yes. And I know Brett has beat the whole I got screwed thing into the ground and all that shit, but Brett was a loyal motherfucker, man. Mm-hmm. And he's he's one guy that I can honestly say that I 100% side with when he talks about being fucking screwed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like everybody else has said shit about that and this, that, and the other thing. I can poke some holes in it and say, well, I can see both sides of it or whatever. But I I think at the end of the day, I really honest to this day, I think Vince McMahon did Brett dirty. And I don't if like if that guy worked for me, I would always want him around. Like he's he he was just He told Vince, give me a reason to stay. Yeah, you know, probably. I mean, if you, you watch that documentary, he's like, I'm, I, I'm trying to give Vince reasons for to, to for me to stay. I want to stay here. Right. <laughs> like, it was I, almost like he was a kid asking for his dad's approval. You know what I mean? Tell me I'm good. Tell me I need mm-hmm. to be here. Tell me you want me here. And, and Vince was like, I don't care. <laughs> like I said, his fucking ability in the ring was. There's a lot of people you can't hold a can like. There's a lot of people who can't hold a fucking candle to Bret Hart. Right. I know you guys love Shawn Michaels and everything like that. And I like I love Shawn Michaels, but Shawn Michaels, if you had a, if you tell me you can only watch Bret Hart's matches or Shawn Michaels matches, I want to watch Bret Hart's matches. Sadly, I hate to say it because I'm big of a Shawn fan. I am. I'd watch Bret Hart matches too. And everything because now Shawn has started to be as honest as Shawn Michaels can be. Um, that's the other thing too, like with Sean and Brett, when they bitch like all that shit they were bitching at each other about and everything. 
Brett was right. 99% of the time, fucking Brett was right. Like, like he told, like, Shawn Michaels looked at him and Brett was like, I'm glad I put you over. Um, hopefully you can put me over again. And Sean was like, I appreciate that, but I can't do that. You know, right. I know it wasn't the exact quote that they say, but it's like, if somebody would tell me that, I'd be like, fuck you. Right. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly, to this day, I, I feel like him saying I'm not doing Like, I'll lose to anybody else. I ain't losing that fucking guy. I think that Brett he, he wasn't me. willing to do that for me. And I, I totally think, understand that. I think had Brett told Vince, listen, you hold the title after Survivor Series. And when I come on Monday Night Raw to lay it down, and then I'll hand it right back to you and I'll walk out. Vince was worried that Brett was going to walk out with the title like a thief in the night and pull a Medusa. Well, I understand Brett, that. You know, but I know we all do. But had Brett given him more assurance, maybe Vince would have been a little more lenient because he still wasn't sure what Brett was planning to do. You know, I, I still don't blame Brett for anything that happened in that instance. You tell me, if someone tells you in your line of profession, I if the roles were reversed, I wouldn't put you over. I'm not going to give you the same due you gave me. Well, then, motherfucker, guess what? I'm not letting you go over either. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like me going to Archie's house, mowing his yard, and then right. coming out and be like, "Oh man, that, mar- that yard looks great!" And I'm like, "Yeah, man. Um, hopefully, eventually, you can do the same thing for we'll me." Paid a favor. No, no, your fucking yard again. <laughs> Kill grass. Yeah, we'll be in a coma. Yeah. And the fucking home yeah. fucking administration is like, we're going to sh- kick him out and be like, fuck him. <laughs> Go buy a fucking goat. Aaron's planting weeds about you. not going to mow my lawn. Yeah. He's putting yeah. the sod in the grass. <laughs> fuck that cucumber. <laughs> fucking piece of produce. Fuck him. Like, I ain't fucking <laughs> in that coma patient's yard. He said he wouldn't do the same thing for me. <laughs> oh my god! But I'm just saying, like, like, and and I know we're getting into the fucking screw job thing a lot, but just in general, the body of work that Bret Hart produced, like I said, it's second to none. Second yes. To none. The next inductee, the last inductee into this year's Hall of Fame. A lot of us aren't going to have. Again, it's one of those things. We're not going to have a lot to say on uh, promo. I don't know. See, maybe two. Or even in ring, other than the clips I've seen. But when we're talking about significance to the business, the last inductee this year, um, let me flip my page here and see which of us voted for him, myself and Aaron. And it's Luthes, our final inductee this year. And for me, of course, it is significance to the business. Uh, Thez was the premier top star in pro wrestling from the late thirties until probably the mid sixties. Um, and he was the, what he was really was, he was the guy that set the standard for the touring NWA champion, you know? Right. Right. And and one of the things I wanted to mention just real quick, of course he deserves to be in the hall of fame. Um, the, in the research I was doing to, to make my decision just to see stuff about his career, maybe that I didn't know. He was the NWA champion, obviously, and he was also the the AWA champion. I'm thinking that's the AWA. Obviously, it's pre um, it's a pre Ganya one. Pre Ganya because this is 1937. 
<clears throat> but young wrestling fans and and middle-aged wrestling fans like us and old wrestling fans, listen to this. How would you like to see this? Luthez defeated Everett Marshall for the AWA World Championship in a grueling three-hour match. <laughs> imagine. Just imagine a three-hour match. That's the one they were like, we and, should probably fake this now. And he like, said... He said, um, says told uh, wrestling historian Mike Chapman that he was there to wrestle competitively, which he did, and ended up winning the match. But he was unsure if he actually won or Marshall just dropped the title to him. So a different business, definitely a different business back then. That guy was like, I got to go home. <laughs> My old lady's probably pissed right now. I got things to do. Imagine a three-hour match at WrestleMania now. <laughs> Night one. Night one, it's just that one match. <laughs> well, that that Roman Reigns uh, Triple H main event a few years ago felt like it was three hours right. long. Right. But, By the time yeah. we got eight hours into the pay per view, but anyway. But, but Luthez, okay, um, like like I said, there I've I've seen Luthez matches, okay, like going back and watching like classic videos and shit. Like I, I have. I, I have like DVDs and shit of like black and white wrestling and stuff like that. And Lou was great. And um, I just think that for one, the longevity of his career, um, the respect for the business, because mm-hmm. he was, he's, he's kind of like what I was saying before, where it's like, just, if you don't like it, just shut up. You know what I mean? And, and Lou did that. Like I don't, I don't hear a lot of things about Luthez going. I don't like the direction of the business and shit like that. And Nate, how you were saying about, okay, well, let's see what Vince is doing. Like he never worked for Vince, but he was willing mm-hmm. to go on TNT. You know what I mean? Right. During the cartoonish shit, and Vince paid him a lot of respect when he was on there, mm-hmm. and, and and um, he was just he. he He's the guy that we're, like I said, we're not going to be able to sit down and watch an anthology of the Luthez DVD, but um, you can't deny what the guy meant for the business. And he was, like Nate said, the trendsetter for what a touring world, what a world champion is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Go to a territory, get a guy over, and even though you won, you leave that territory better than how you found it. Yep. So that is it. The 2021 class of the Hall of Fame. The people that are still on the ballot going into next year are Stu Hart. Next year will be his third year. Remember, we have five years to get somebody in or they go back into the nominating pool. Roddy Piper, next year will be his third year. Shawn Michaels. Next year will be his third year. Paul Heyman. Next year will be his third year. Sting, third year. Ricky Dozon, next year will be his third year. Mick Foley, next year will be his second year. Arn Anderson, second year. The Rock, second year. Fred Blassie, second year. And Bob Backlund, second year. Now, I want to say the one guy... And and everybody's great. That's great. And I, uh, I'll make my decisions next year to vote for it. But this is a guy that I pushed for last year. And I'll say this year and next year, the guy that's on this ballot 
that I'm really pushing for as we go through, because I got Terry Funk and I got Jerry Lawler in, is Ricky Dozon. Because there is no Japanese wrestling scene without Ricky Dozon. And Fred Blassie, but without Ricky Dozon. The funny thing is, sorry, the funny thing is, there's no Japanese wrestling without the two guys that weren't Japanese. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Anybody, Aaron, that you... You know that of that of that that, uh, and I'll go uh, look at some of your nominees that you made too, and run down I, them real quick. Yeah, eight out of ten. I, I think the only ones I didn't get were Freddie and Stu, right? So Freddie would be the one you'd really be pushing for. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think Stu was the other one on my list, right? Yes, Archie. And, oh, and, oh, sorry. sorry. I was just gonna say if I, I I talked about Fred Blassie a little bit, but I think Stu deserves to fucking be on it for. One of the same reasons that I said about Dusty Rhodes is that that motherfucker's fingerprints are like a hundred professional wrestlers. Still to this day. Yeah, and and that's not even counting his kids. Like you take his kids out of there, his fingerprints are on like seventy five wrestlers. <laughs> like the the dude fucking trained everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody. He trained everybody from fucking. Superstar Billy Graham to Chris Benoit. I don't know we're not supposed to talk about him, but I'm just using that as like a parameter of time frame. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and and he was a promoter. He was a wrestler. All of his kids. I know they weren't big mainstream wrestlers, but it, all of his kids were good, fucking solid, goddamn wrestlers. Like. I, like half of half of the greatness of the fucking eighties WWF wouldn't be if it wasn't for fucking right. Stu Hart. Archie, not Chris, anybody, anybody you'd be pushing? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Stu Hart should be in just for the amount of abuse Bobby Heenan put him through during the <laughs> Red Hart versus the Perfect View. <laughs> Archie, anybody, anybody you're particularly pushing for now going into next year? Um. I think Sting and Shawn Michaels. It's a little weird. Sting isn't actually in there. More so than Shawn. Um, you know what I mean? We we can have that debate later because I disagree with you. But. Oh, you want to fight? All right. <laughs> I, I, just picture, I just pictured the Miz's dad. Right. You want to fight? <laughs> no. Um, I, it's just, I, I know probably there's guys on my list that I'm not mentioning right now that I put up. Um. Well, I'm going to go through that here in a second. We're going to briefly go through that, and then we'll wrap up. But I, I think Sting deserves to be in there, in my opinion. Um, Chris? Arn. Arn, yeah, I agree with Arn, too. And I almost, like, Arn was Arn was one of those ones I was teetering on. I forget who I picked over Arn, but that was another one, like, with the Cornette thing, where I teetered between Arn and somebody else. Arn's so, the guy. Oh, sorry. Um. A couple of people that Aaron nominated that didn't make the ballot. Just really quick, if you want to touch on any of them, Aaron. Uh, here we I've got Vader, Jesse Ventura, the British Bulldogs, and Gorilla Monsoon. Those are the guys that nominated that didn't get in. Um, yeah. Bulldogs. Or that didn't get on the ballot, yes. Yeah, okay, ballot. I understand now. Bulldogs. You said this was the first year that we could nominate a tag team. And they're my favorite. Uh, be by like your favorites shouldn't always be somebody that you nominate. You know what I mean? Like right. one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is Fit Finley, but I'm not going to put him on the Hall of Fame ballot before I put some other people. You know what I right. mean? Right. And that's not that's not 
like degrading his career. I'm just saying there's other people that should go in before him. But the Bulldogs, to me, they fucking epitomized tag team wrestling. And they fucking, they, they were just the best. Like, they're, they're my favorite tag team of all time. And Davey, even when he get like he was bigger in like nine in it like in like the early nineties he he did a lot of steroids and he got bigger and he wasn't as polished as he was but the fucking bulldogs man fucking great I put dynamite in by himself but as a tag team I, I it's like I don't I've never seen a better tag team than the fucking bulldogs ever Archie some people that you put up that didn't make the ballot. And 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 can I can I say one more person? Oh sure. Um, because because you, you mentioned Gorilla Monsoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, significance. Let's talk about significance. You you talk like who was somebody that you said? Oh, this wouldn't have been a thing if this guy wouldn't have been around. I can't remember who you said, but I don't think I don't think Vince McMahon would have been able to do what he did if Gorilla Monsoon wouldn't have supported him. Mm-hmm. You know I what mean? Real Monsoon is a fucking Tony Soprano of professional wrestling. <laughs> Good call. Like, Good like call. he, 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 like I, I, to this day, when I hear stories about Real Monsoon, I think that motherfucker was connected. There's oh, no definitely. Way, There's like, no doubt he was connected. <laughs> like, like, like Hogan gets caught with a gun and then he's out. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, let's get rid of him. Jimmy Snuka killed a person. And Gorilla Monsoon was like, yeah, get him out. Like, like Monsoon was connected. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, fucking Bobby Heenan, one of my favorite Bobby Heenan stories. They're at the casino, and he rolls out there at the casino, and Monsoon like takes a wad of cash out of his hand. It's like ten thousand dollars, and Bobby's like, "Why do you have that? Why do you have that much money?" And he's like, "Well, you know, you never know when you need to buy something." He's like, "What? Like a fucking house? (laughs) (laughs) Why do you have that much money on?" But but honestly, if Vince McMahon, I think would have bought the company from Vince Sr. and Monsoon said, fuck it, we're not going to support him. Vince McMahon wouldn't have been where he was at. Everybody else would have went with it and said, nope. Mm-hmm. Not and and just like Nate said, the significance of that fucking guy and everything that he contributed to the fucking WWF, if Gorilla Monsoon would not have been on board and would have not been there, I don't think it would have happened. Those are my two hills. Stu Hart and Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> Archie, some people that you nominated that didn't make the ballot, and uh, any any of them randomly that you want to make a case for really quick or what have you, go ahead. The Great Muda, Demolition, and I agree with that one. I didn't nominate them, but I agree. Ted DiBiase, Paul Orndorff, Triple H, The Midnight Express, and Sherry Martell. You didn't get many on the ballot this year there, Archie. No. Well, thanks for making fun of me. I guess we're going to have to have our fight now. Arn Anderson was the only one you nominated that made it. Well, well bully for me. No. Uh, but you um, have a great list here. I mean. Demolition, I will, I until my dying day, I will push for Demolition to be in any Hall of Fame. Because they're still not in the WWE Hall of Fame either. Um, they were an incredible tag team. I'm not talking about with Crush. I'm talking about as Ox and Smash. They were, people could say, oh, they were an LOD uh, ripoff. No, they were not. They were their own damn thing. Um, and um, Sherry Martell, as a woman's wrestler, as a manager, 
um, as the mouthpiece for certain people when, you know, the Harlem Heat couldn't cut their own promos. Um, Pulling double duty unknowingly on WWE shows. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And there's there's a case to be made. And again, this is one of those things that we won't we won't discuss here, but I might write down for a future episode because I think it was would be a great discussion. Who's the greatest female manager ever, Sherry or woman? I mean, that's a discussion you can have because that air air is there, you know. Um, So, I mean, all good nominees. Again, as the years go on, we'll get more and more of these people in. The first few years are going to be tough, though. For you, you also had, let me see, you got Arn and Corny in and Foley on the the, uh, ballot. But some of the ones that you threw out, and if you want to touch on a couple of them that you think are are important to touch on, uh, Chris, it was Ron Fuller, The Rock and Roll Express, Bob Armstrong, yes, Kevin Sullivan, and Dustin Rhodes. Well, I already said Arn. Um, I'm another one that I really think Bob needs to be in there. Mm-hmm. I think Bob with a lot. I mean, he, he's he's like Lawler and San Martino's significance to a territory, you know. Well, that and I think that he's overlooked a lot. Yes, ab- absolutely. Like people say yes. Bob Armstrong and people know Bob Armstrong, but they're just like, yep, Bob Armstrong, okay. <laughs> You well, you laugh, but you know what I mean. They, like, no, no yeah, really I, what, I, what I what I thought about. Holy when you shit, said, bullet, Bob! They're just like, yep, yeah, Bob Armstrong. What I thought about when you said that was, I just need to sit Chris Wood and Chad Austin down and do a podcast about Bob Armstrong because he agrees with you. You know, can I say something about Bob Armstrong? Hmm. Um. Like he's um. Like you know, like when they when somebody will say like, oh, he's a comedian's comedian. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, my favorite comedian of all time is Norm MacDonald. Nate knows I'm not saying that just because he's dead. Like, Norm is my favorite. And I'm not saying I'm a comedian at all. But there's a lot of people that don't like Norm. But if you ask any comedian, they will tell you Norm MacDonald is a comedian's comedian. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the comedian that comedians like to watch. And right. Bob Armstrong is a wrestler's wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a professional wrestler, you you want to watch Bob Armstrong. Yes. Yes. Um. All right. So anybody else there that you wanted to to build a hill for, Chris? No, I'll just stick with my two for now. Okay. Bob and Arn. And last and not least, and then we will wrap up this Hall of Fame episode the guys that i nominated that didn't make the ballot that i think are significant and look at this guy he's got to be the main event Mm. (laughs) phil mushnick gorgeous george buddy rogers Vern gagne and shane douglas and i know it's like whoa nate nominated shane douglas Significance to a territory. Um, and in ring ability. You know, at his peak, Shane was was one of the best wrestlers in the world in ECW. And and again, he's one of the pillars of ECW. I also heard that he was like a big spike in the 
Pittsburgh target market. I heard like the same <laughs> sort of there, the fucking sales through the roof. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But anyway, what hill do you want to die? Which one the, or two do you want to die on that one? The hills that I would die on on that one would be Gorgeous George. Because Gorgeous George, much like much like um, I've talked about before with Ricky Dozon in Japan, they say that the first real TVs that started selling in Japan were because Ricky Dozon was on TV. Gorgeous George was in, 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 in so important to TV wrestling. You and, know? He was, and, and he was doing – sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's all right. But I just recently watched it, like – I watched a match with him in the other. I, I don't remember the guy that he was working. Not Bob but, Brown, right? It, <laughs> Bobby Brown. I don't think it was Bobby Brown. I don't remember who it was, but he was like this was like a rounds match, and he mm-hmm. was doing sports entertainment shit before sports entertainment shit. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like he had like multiple valets. He had his robes. He had his Georgie pins and all this shit. But in between the rounds, he was in California. Okay. So in between the rounds, he would bring in an oxygen machine, okay? Like, he'd put the thing on his face, and in big black letters, I'm assuming it's black letters, it's black and white, but whatever, mm-hmm. it was an oxygen machine, and on it, it said, Florida Air. <laughs> <laughs> so, clap. Yeah, so, That's fantastic. So we had Florida Air... <laughs> Because the air in California is so scummy and gross, <laughs> I can't deal with it. So in between rounds, I have to get a huff of Florida air. That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> like, I watched it. I'm like, this is fucking fantastic. That shit could work today. Yeah, no shit. Yes. I watched something from 1951 or whatever. And it's like, that is fucking fantastic. <laughs> That's one of those things like, why haven't someone capitalized on that today? Exactly. Yes. That's fucking amazing. Florida Air. <laughs> I've never seen that before. That's great. Yeah, it was fucking fantastic. I spent like $25 for these DVDs. I'm like, That's fucking worth it right there. <laughs> That's heel heat. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the other hill that I would die on as I'm looking here. Uh, would probably be Vern. I may not necessarily be a guy that's going to seek out the AWA, but as far as a guy that cinched in and fucking fought the fight and was all about his territory and built something, you know. And see, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's that's. That, I'm just saying. Like he was just. I, you I'd know, say, I'd say Vern for the same reason that I said Stu. Like, I think Vern should, uh, like, I've watched Vern Gagne matches or whatever, and I'm not saying he wasn't a great wrestler or anything like that, but I, I was just, just like, oh, man, that was a fantastic Vern Gagne match. And I don't think he was, like, the greatest promo in the world, but the contra, and, and the AWA, honestly, is one of my, I shouldn't say one of my, it's, like, my least favorite territory like the pe- the promos and shit were great and everything but just like booking wise and this that because because they had a lot, 
they had a lot of stale shit in there. You know, yeah, what I mean? me too. And, and I understand the territory guys got in there. And fucking a, a, okay, AWA. I don't want to cut you off, but AWA is that territory that, like, okay, like say Mid South or even World Class or somebody. I might watch a stretch of that promotion, right? Just watch a bunch of TV shows of that promotion in order. With AWA, I'm not going to do that, but I will seek out a match. Yeah, you know, or or, or one of their super shows or something like that, mm-hmm. but. And I understand, like, guys would get there and they'd want to stay because Vern, like, didn't the schedule. Really, yeah. The schedule, he didn't really book in the wintertime because fucking people weren't going out in goddamn Minnesota and fucking <laughs> North Dakota and shit when you're fucking asshole deep in snow. But I would put, I, I would, I didn't, I didn't nominate him, but like, I'd say, I, to me, Vern is the Hall of Fame person because of all of the people that he got into the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like everybody from Ric Flair to Sergeant Slaughter, Ricky Steamboat, Ken Batera. It's fucking ridiculous the amount of people that went through there. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining me here. The first uh, episode in the series of the 2021 We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame. Chris, thank you for making an appearance. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, man. That was almost sincere. You're you're getting better at it. (laughs) (laughs) It's been many moons. It's been many moons, but he's getting better at it. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank all the listeners for listening, and we will see you next time as we continue on our journey through the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame. We'll see you next week, everybody. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. (laughs) 